Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. This afternoon's fod... Fodcast. I love a fodcast. What's a fod... What's a fodcast? <laughs> it's fine. It could Keep be a thing about animal feed, couldn't it? Uh, fodcast. Like every week. It's, it's, it's a podcast, a fodcast, if you will. I think that works. That's very good. Um, Justin uh, Lorriman is the owner of the Royal Dyche Pub next to Turf Moor, and she's got no intention of changing the name. Yeah. She told us why. Yep. I um, spoke to Bill Hayes, a very interesting The man. author of a book called Sweat, The History of Exercise. Yeah, he was an interesting fella. You could buy sweat for your ailments, as you'll discover. Yeah. yeah. And um, we, we found out disc golf. Disc golf. Yeah. Yeah, we've never, sport we've never heard of, but it's huge. We actually spoke to a Hall of Famer in a sport we'd never heard of. So... Uh, that's the sort of stuff you'll be hearing. We had a bit of a conversation. Uh, Andy told us things about the Queen we never knew, which was yeah. good of him. Well, I got them from the Sun. I can't claim oh, them. Oh, okay, fair enough. I can't claim them as investigative <laughs> journalism. So, anyway, here it all is. <laughs> Why the landlord of the Royal Dyche pub is not for turning, and we'll discover what it's like to sprint naked and just how good a wrestler Plato was with author Bill Hayes. Bowling Plato. <laughs> yeah, it's a new book, interesting stuff yeah. called uh, Sweat the History of Exercise. Fair enough. There were gym rats in um, in, uh, in ancient Greece. I know. Yeah. It's amazing how far his, uh, exercise goes back in history. Yeah. It's very I suppose there was a point when. You just went out and had a run for fun, not because you were being chased by a wild animal. There was so. that, that was that you're thinking, I'm being chased by a wild animal, but I'm actually feeling better for this. So <laughs> when I'm not being chased, <laughs> I may well just keep doing this. Good. Uh, anyway, um, hmm. it's seven minutes past one. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. And uh, you can't fault Newcastle new boy Bruno Guimarish. Yeah, he's good, he's, isn't he? Oh, he's good, but he's hmm. very, very optimistic. He's uh, set his stall out for Newcastle to win both the Premier League and the Champions League. He yeah. obviously hasn't heard that City are signing Erling Haaland. Yeah, but they, you know, they could probably sign two <laughs> Erling Haalands. They can clone they, Erling, yeah, Erling Haaland, but the Haaland brothers can play front. You know, it's not as easy as that, because if you look at City, how long they've been trying to win the Champions League yeah you well know. no no yeah look, you know, it's, it's not just yeah. about money but what do you expect him to say we're going to be in the blue square with him five years he he's should. joined he's no, I think he should be realistic I don't well, think he should be overly optimistic how many players come in though and say I'm so ambitious for this club I, I want to mm. get in the top eight I mean, he's not going to say that, is he? <laughs> Just not. Be more realistic. People don't do that. No, I okay. know. And uh, one of the best sounds of sport, according to a new uh, survey... Oh, yeah. 
is the sound of the football hitting the back of the net, mm. which is fair enough, isn't it? Especially if it's uh, you're the away side yes. and you score and there's that silence and you can hear the ball hit the net. That's quite good if it's your yeah, team. Yeah, I heard that the other day, of course. Yes, of well, course you did. Well, Mike, Mike ideal, Ward but... and the Brighton fans, that was an absolute, <laughs> absolute joy. Yes, it was a strange performance by yeah. Tottenham, really. Well, and yeah. uh, anyway, the, just it. briefly on that, the, the second one though surprised me: the sound of a rugby tackle. Really? Is it because what else is this? Bales coming off, I suppose. Oh no, I would have thought it was the sound of a, a ball. You know, the old uh, leather on willow thing. Yeah, I leather I on gone, willow. Gone down. Gone down. Or leather on face in boxing. I don't know. Leather on face. That's not a great sound, <laughs> is it? It's a not great actually. sounds of sport. Leather on face. <laughs> it wouldn't be top of the list, would it? Really? Yeah. It was a strange uh, performance by Spurs on Saturday, but they'll be encouraged by the fact that uh, Emma Raducanu has yeah. been seen wearing a Spurs shirt. I think that could make all the she difference. She may never win another game. I do yeah. have to tell you. <laughs> That's, if you're going to throw your lot in with a team, she did say something like, hopefully you can both win some trophies. I'm thinking, no, I'm just going to drag you down to our level. Last thing you'll ever win. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't get to the match on Sunday, but uh, in one sense, especially the first half, I was quite glad. It was a terrible game. It wasn't, wasn't, it? wasn't great, was it? They I mean, sort of cancel each other, City, uh, Palace and Chelsea, when he decides to play like that. And I don't know. I thought it was a strange how approach. Many people turned over and watched Antiques Roadshow as the second goal went in. Oh, was I think it, it was lot, definitely yeah. all over, wasn't it? They had a chance at two one. They did, yeah. But I just, I just mm. felt, you know, I've got to be honest, it was all over at two 0 Unfortunately, I've noticed though something because I always found this in, in, sort of an incredible thing that when mm. the the PA were going today's attendance seventy six thousand four hundred and forty six, and people would burst into a round of applause. Yeah, you know? yeah. Why? Why would you do that? They don't do it anymore. I noticed on Sunday. Today's attendance, the bloke turns out in complete silence. Nobody You're kind of clapping yourself for turning up, aren't you, really? <laughs> really. I Never like the incredulous the ones when you look around, you see all the empty seats oh, yeah. and they've clearly based it <laughs> on how yeah. many they sold, not how many actually well, came through the door. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, the it's ironic bit tomorrow night with, you know, sort of half the stand missing. Yeah, so yeah. you can't buy tickets for that game. They've, Chelsea they've, they've fans, no members, no, they they stuck with it. I don't know. It makes no sense to me. And so how uh, many think do you think you'll be down tomorrow? Well, it'll be twenty five thousand season ticket holders. Wow. And however mm. many Arsenal fans mm. go, I suppose about normally there'd be three thousand. Maybe there'll be six thousand, but there'll still be a big empty part. It's it. Sort of so they're allowed them. to up their allocation. Well, I, I think. think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fair mm. enough. So it does skew the whole thing, but there you go. Yeah, they did us. Uh, obviously, I, I went into the afternoon feeling that the gap would be closed, but um, no, never mind Dr Tottenham, Dr Arsenal at the good moment. Good performance by Southampton, but yeah, yeah, it was surprising. Well, said, really, certainly yeah. Fraser Forster as well. Mm. Two, him and Pope oh, yeah, at the weekend. Same. What performances they put in. Yeah, it's true. Fantastic. And uh, there's a great photo of a kid mm. at uh, Wembley on mm. Sunday with he's got a massive shirt saying, Wilf, can I have your... Number 11 He was shirt, holding a please. sign, you mean? Yeah, holding a sign oh, sorry, you said of a shirt. Oh, OK. Right. Yeah, no, so it's a picture of a shirt. Oh, OK. It's basically a cutout, cardboard cutout of a shirt. And saying, yes. can I have your shirt? I'd just love Wilf to have had a similar one because says no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, carrying that around for the whole game might have been... Wait, so he's got them ready. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, well, okay. fair enough. Yeah, why not? OK, well, um, we're going to be chatting to German football expert Kevin Hatchard, as Fletcher was just telling you. It, it looks as if the, the move for Erling Haaland to Manchester City is edging closer. Everyone hoping, of course, that it'll go. <laughs> it won't work out as well as they hope it will. Or oh, he's going to put on weight. Or He's, he's going to put on weight? Ricky, Who said that? Me. I reckon he looks quite <laughs> big. I reckon to give him about <clears throat> three years, he'll be very big. What, being, he'll have his own pub? You think? <laughs> he could be. He doesn't look like a bloke who's going to put weight on. Oh, he I just, think he does. He's, he's sort of whip it thin. Isn't he? Looks... No, no. Is he? 
I'm looking it up. Can you? Does he strike you as a man who's going to podge up, John? <laughs> it doesn't to me either. What? what, what, what I'm saying is ridiculous, wishful thinking. Yeah. And uh, Ricky Lambert, we'll hear from him as well later. And he was on breakfast this morning, saying, "Well, it might not work for City. Mm. Of course, it will work for City." Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, you do sense it will. But the Dortmund fans, they have their doubts. Um, well, yeah. they may just be bitter, but we'll be looking at some of the things they've been saying. With it gives Kevin City an option Hatchard they don't short. have at the moment. No. You saw that against Atletico, even against uh, there was a strange performance from them on Saturday, first half. But even against Atletico, you thought they've got no outball. No, no you know, and he's got really a lot to his it. game. He's not just oh, a yeah, finisher; he's some player. Good. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, Hawksby and Jacobs here on Talk Sport. I think we were all shocked when uh, Sean Dyche was uh, sacked on uh, Friday. Wasn't the, we? What was the point? Honestly, yeah, it's been a very, what very odd decision considering the miracles he'd worked to keep them yeah. in the division for so many years. Um, so, where did this leave the Royal Dyche Pub, uh, just next door to Turf Moor? Well, they've doubled down despite the changes. It remains the Roy, the Royal, uh, uh, <laughs> Royal Dyche. <laughs> yeah, I was about to go, hello, David, the full uh, Jeffrey Boyker, the Royal Dyche Pub. Uh, Justine Lorimer is uh, is the governor there and joins us now. Hi, Justine. Hi, governess, governess. Oh, governess. Oh, okay. governor. Yes. Yeah, so that's. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. We were with you. Yeah. The governess. You know, are you the governess of a pub? Sounds like you've got a lot of young uh, ladies working for Manager. you in the bar. Manager. Uh, yes. Leaseholder. Um, so. Owner. Yeah. Owner. Owner. Okay, that's owner. right. Okay. Well, we've we've established. We've established that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, you must have been shocked. I mean, you've got skin in the game, really, with the name of the pub having changed it. So was everybody, all the, all the regulars, were they surprised at the, the, when the news came in? Yeah, I think the whole town was uh, was in shock. I mean, nobody expected that on a Friday. Obviously, we, we got beat 2-0 by Norwich on the Sunday, but if a sacking's going to take place, you'd expect it, obviously, the day or day two after the defeat. So, yeah, I like the breaking the news on Friday morning, yeah, it was a big shock to everybody. Yeah. I was reading that uh, apparently anyone who comes in and asks f- for the name to change, they'll be asked to donate a pound to Pentleside Hospital. So have people been doing that? People come in and say, well, you're going to have to change yeah, the name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so right. we've, uh, we've, we've managed to raise... Uh, we, we did a total up last night because we thought people might ask a question. Uh, we've raised <laughs> £180 so far. <laughs> well done. Um, That's good. So we're going to... Uh, yeah, so we're going to keep the jar on the bar all week. Obviously, the Claret's at home on Thursday against Southampton, so hopefully we'll probably raise a bit more then. So it's, yeah. it's almost like a sort of Sean Dyche swear box, isn't it, really? So if anybody yeah. comes in and says that, they put some money in the pot. Yeah, so it was actually my partner that said it. She said, look, if anybody comes, she said, you should, if you had a pound for every time somebody asked you that today, you'd be rich. I thought, well, why, why don't we do it for charity? We might, yeah. might as well have some good out of this bad news. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange move, isn't it? I mean, presumably you are a Burnley fan, is that right? Would that be right? Yeah, yeah, season ticket holder. Yeah, so were you surprised and can you see the logic in it? Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand, obviously, we've won four games all season. I, I, I can understand it from a business point of view, but I just don't understand the time. And I think that's everyone's biggest question. And uh, like the, fact, the fact that we've nobody now coming in to manage, they've not got a plan B, they didn't have somebody lined up. I can understand them sacking him and having somebody lined up. But who do you choose next? Who, he's got some big shoes to fill. So who, who's going to come in next and uh, obviously do better than what he's done? I mean, he's been here nine and a half years. I mean, work what he's done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the royal me, I suppose it was the was the first suggestion you got, was it? Yeah, with the, with the caretaker. Yeah. Well, yeah. If if he was in a suit on uh, on Sunday, we would have been wondering about that as well. So 
without yeah. injured at the minute. We thought you were going to be a suit managing on the side. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you're only, all right, you've played a game more than Everton, but you're just three points behind them. I mean, it can just switch on one day. It was. It just seems a strange thing to do. Huh? Yeah, it's definitely a head-scratcher. It's Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it at all. Like, it's very tight at the bottom. Um, anything can happen. We like, our run of eight games. They're not as bad as Everton and Leeds, so... Yeah, it is a strange choice, but obviously the obviously our new owners thought we needed a change and, yeah, it'd be interesting what the next five weeks bring. Yeah, what did uh, Sean make of uh, the renaming of the pub? Was he, uh, I think he was chuffed by Did he ever pop in now and again? No, no, he never popped in. I met him a couple of times. first time I met him was before I did the name change and I asked for his blessing and he was flattered. He said, look, don't feel pressure, you don't have to. And I said, look, I've already put an airboard out saying if he gets into Europe, I will do. You got into Europe, it's... It's like our gesture to him for all that, the great work. I mean, I went to all three away European games, all three home games. It was one of the most incredible experiences as a Burnley fan. It was amazing. And obviously those are memories that can never be taken away. And obviously I've got to be thankful to Sean for some for that experience. Mm. What do you think the difference has been this season that somebody watches the team regularly? Uh, oh, obviously the new owners. That's That's been the big difference for us. Um, obviously when you get new owners coming in, you've not got the same repository like the previous. So obviously they've got to gel, they've got to want the same things, they've got to want the club moving in the same direction. And if it, that doesn't happen, then obviously it's not going to work. Mm. And on the pitch, I mean, you know, brought in some good players, Cornet's decent, and he was out with an injury and stuff. There's, you know, you do wonder why they've found themselves in this situation. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like we've been obviously we've been chasing everybody else for, since we got into Europe. Like the past four years, he's not really had much investment. He's not really had much backing. Obviously, with new owners, they've signed a couple of more. Like more, we've probably signed more than we have these past four years with the new owners. But for me, it just takes time. Uh, it, it takes time for players to gel. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like he, if if we would have gone down, he would have been the right man to bring us back up. So that's mm. another reason why I don't understand it. I feel like he's earned the right, even if we do get relegated, he's earned the right to stay. No, that was my immediate thought as well. You know, Absolutely. he's done yeah. enough. He's got enough credit in the bank with that club and what he's done on a shoestring, really, to <clears> to have the chance to get you back up. I see one of the other names people suggested was Big Picture of Jordan North and The Happy Place, which is a nice yeah, name for a pub. Isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was brilliant as well, yeah. But he's not. He's got a long way to go as Jordan to do like, the work that Dash has done. I think Jordan's yeah. got a long way to go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, it's, it, let's hope uh, they can. Does it, I mean, a couple of things. Uh, if you want to just change the name of a pub, how difficult is that? I mean, if you're the boss, you can do what you like, or is there any yeah. issues around with the brewery and stuff? So at the, at the time, I didn't own the pub. It was privately owned. Hmm. Um, and I asked my landlord, I said, look, I've wrote this airboard. Didn't think it was going to come true. It's come true. Sky BT, they all want to know if I'm going to change the name. And I just, I just asked his permission, and he was really, he was really good. Um, he just said, look, as long as you pay for the signage, I have no issue. You can change the name. Um, we, we knew it would be a big thing in the town, but it went national and global. And, yeah, I was I was really overwhelmed with how much support we had and how much in, like, publicity we got. Yeah, and still getting now, it's yeah, it's really overwhelming, but obviously it's really flattering. Yeah. What about the Pope's blessing, you know, with the goalkeeper and all that? Oh, yeah, well, the Pope's, the Pope's <laughs> blessing with Nick Pope, that's yeah, not bad, yeah. Not bad. It's possible. That's the yeah, other thing, isn't bad. it? Worrying thing from your point of view um, is that if you do go down... Then you're going to see quite a few yeah, players move on, Tarkovsky which, which makes it very difficult to get out of that division, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, I think there's ten players out of contract mm. at the end of the season, which is very worrying. I mean, normally you, we have the January transfer window, and then you obviously hear about players re-signing contracts. Um, 
and then normally we get more communication from the club. I mean, even since Dash has been sacked, other than the statement, we've had no communication. Like nobody knows why it's happened, what's going on, who's coming in. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of like silence from everybody at the club, which is worrying. And the players, there's no players that have come out and thanked him for his work. So yeah. that's worrying as well. Yeah, we don't know we don't know what's going to happen these next five weeks. Well, Justin, good to talk to you. Um, mm. Thanks very yeah, much thank for joining you. us. All the best. Thank you very much. Bye. Justine Lorimer, the owner of the Royal Dyche Pub next to Turf Moor. And, uh, yep, keeping the name. Yep, the that's right the thing, thing with owners. You don't know what you're going to get. No, no, no. Yep. I mean, look, you know, they'd spent some money, they brought some players in, but, uh, yeah. I mean, look, there might be Burnley fans contacting us saying, no, it had to happen. We hadn't won enough games. It was the right time, but I suppose we'll see what happens at the end of the season. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Maya Jammer would have got the boxing one. <laughs> oh, yes, she was saying, well, no, fair play. They asked her to present it. They yeah. don't, you don't expect She's a very good presenter. You don't expect her to be Reg Gutteridge, do you? <laughs> Not really. I mean, <laughs> that's what her job is there, is to sort of facilitate the, uh, the yes. experts. And it, ask helps them the it helps if you're, helps, in, yeah. if helps you're, if you're interested. Yeah, it but, does. you know, I, I, a bit of sympathy It doesn't stop you being professional, but, you know, obviously it's better if you've got somebody that... So, you know, I'd say Laura, for example. Yeah, no, she came sport. on. My Jerry came on and did a Harry, uh, uh, sorry, a Henry Cooper impersonation. Oh yeah, yeah. She started doing all <laughs> that. Like really? an old, be fantastic. She does them all. Fantastic. <laughs> Joe really? Frazier does all the impressions. <laughs> be fantastic, wouldn't you? Like well, Who is this? This is John H. Tracy, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. okay? It's like an after dinner set that she it's does. A good idea. Yeah. And uh, can I ask Real Madrid to stop? Using marker to tap up Reese James. Yeah, okay. Well, Go away. I'm not doubt if they listen to. No, you. they won't. But uh, it's really. But well, you've put the request in. I have. Yeah. No. No question. Um, what else? Have we got? I don't know why United are complaining about the fixtures as well. It's not like they're better against the lower teams. They tend to play better. Um, Liverpool side against the better side, so you know. I don't know yeah, they've got a run of about. games, haven't they? Got you, they got they you have, as well. Yeah, they got us. You and Arsenal got, and Liverpool all in a row. Yeah. Wow. But you'll see. Well, I, mean, I do fear for them tonight. Actually, I think that's going to be a tough game. Mm. Not, not easy. Uh, I was reading about the designer Nicky Haslam. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Oh yeah, I've heard of him. Well, yeah. famous interior designer. Mm. He was he, he was talking about designing for the oligarchs. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he said, when Roman Abramovich asked me to design his house in London's Belgravia, I put a great big plaster classical statue of a pipe player in the middle of the drawing room. However, I hadn't realised that Russians associate statues with museums and the then Chelsea FC owner hated it. Wow. What he really wanted, like all men, was a leather sofa and a huge television. He's a very polite man that he never told me, but I heard his face fell when he walked in and saw it. He hired another decorator from California to redo the whole place. Oh, really? He didn't like it? He didn't like it. Didn't like it. Didn't like the statue. It was in (laughs) Russia, of course, that we saw in in the Hermitage in St. Petersburg. Mm. We saw... Uh, that statue of Alan Brazil, didn't Very we? Very nice, yeah. From probably the 1600s, <laughs> but it was one. it was an uncanny yeah. Alan Brazil statue. Maybe if I can find it, we'll put it uh, on at TSH in Jane. You can make your own mind up. But mm. it was, I mean, it was great because it was one of these uh, animatronic things, which was odd for the Hermitage show. As you walked in the room where it was, it went, Marnin! It would be great. And its mouth, it mouth moved. I think it you was... stood behind it going, Marnin! <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll see if we can find the picture for you. The Sunday a very good thing today. They did the Queen by Numbers. I don't know if you saw this. Well, no, I did see that, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's quite interesting, really. I, I don't know how they discovered this. She has seven inches depth of bath water in her daily 7.30 a.m. bath. So seven inches of water. I mean, Just kind of trying to get seven inches. It's not very much, is it, really? 
You have to lay down. It's probably a big bath. She does well to get in and out. I can't get in and out of the bath now. <laughs> maybe she's got a walk-in bath, one of them. Well, maybe you want to get one of those walk-in... You can't imagine. get in and out of the bath. Well, not exactly. I mean, okay. I can, I can, but it's not easy. I prefer a shower anyway. Have you got a hoist or something at <laughs> home? Do the hoist, A yeah. winch. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. And, uh, and... Uh, now I've got a mental image of him getting in and out of the bath, <laughs> which I didn't crazy. want, and I'm guessing, Nobody wants. you didn't want I didn't either. want it either. No. So and thanks for that. <laughs> thank you very much. Mate. Well, you can imagine the Queen getting in out of seven I can inches. See, of I can see you in seven inches of water, water. getting out of the bath, and I can't get rid of it. And uh, I don't believe this one, though. 2,000 people fainted as she made her way to a ball on her first trip to Sydney in 1954. Presumably it was really hot. I mean, well, just 2,000 people wouldn't faint just seeing the Queen. Overawed. Over- <laughs> I've seen some junior members of staff that they'd buckle when you walk past. <laughs> Definitely and that's not. not going to get any better now they can see you getting out seven inches of water in the bath. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. As we were saying earlier on, there must have come a point when someone just did exercise for exercise's uh, sake, not because they were being chased by a wild animal. Yeah. I thought, this book's so interesting, because I thought it was much more a modern phenomenon exercise yeah. than it turns out to be. It certainly isn't. Um, the book we're talking about is called Sweat, A History of Exercise, and the author Bill Hayes joins us now. Hi, Bill. Hey, good to be with you guys. Yeah, yeah, we we love the book. It's it's really fascinating. I mean, what 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 was the kind of catalyst for writing this story? What made you want to write the history of exercise? Well, I was actually in a gym, appropriately enough. I was up on a stairmaster, just about to punch in my program, and for some reason, on that particular day, it was actually about ten years ago. I looked out at the gym floor, saw all these people, men and women alike bench pressing, doing curls, pull-ups, chin-ups, bozu balls, yoga. And I just thought to myself, how did we all end up here? And uh, if I were to trace a line backward in time, where would I land? Where did this begin and when? And uh, so it was really started with that question. And then I did years and years of research and discovered a lot of things that I had not known. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this bloke, Girolamo Mercuriale. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Girolamo Mercuriale. He became really a focus of my research. There are a lot of historical figures in this book, everyone from Hippocrates, Aristotle, and Plato back in antiquity, um, up to Jane Fonda and Jack LaLanne in more recent decades. But Mercuriale was a 16th century physician during the Renaissance, And he wrote what is considered the first comprehensive book on exercise. And it was also illustrated. I would have known probably nothing about it. It's kind of been lost to history were it not for a librarian um, here in New York City who knew I was doing some research on exercise. And she introduced me to this uh, 1569 book. It was beautiful. It was in pristine condition. I held it in my hands, excited to look at it. And uh, when I opened it up, realized the entire book was written in medieval Latin, which I do not read. Uh, So uh, it took me a while to track down an an English translation. I then uh, tracked down the translator himself, and it kind of launched me on this journey over many, many years that took me to London. Paris, uh, Sweden, Italy, Italy, where I sort of retraced Mercuriali's footsteps, India, all all around the world. But uh, yeah, Mercuriali was really ahead of his time in so many ways, um, writing about exercise from a physician's perspective. You know, what is what is good for you? How can it uh, help you help your health and 
can it prevent disease? That, I mean, you try your hand at some various things, uh, mm. sort of naked sprinting for one, um, which yes. we're saying sounds like we can't possibly go into that much detail this time of day, the way you describe it. Um, but, um, yeah, it was it was a, an experience from what, from what you say. Also, the fact that um, back in the day, um, sweat was sold, wasn't it? It was this kind of post-workout... Um, sort of gloop that was left afterwards, a sort of powdery sweat that would be an oily sort of gunky stuff that would be put in a jars and and sold on from people's day at the gym. To to drink? Well, no, not to drink, but uh, Bill will tell us. (laughs) That is true. This was one of the biggest surprises. In in antiquity, in ancient Greece, you know, there were gyms in almost every town, gymnasiums. Now, only men and boys were allowed to work out. But the sweat of athletes, of superior athletes, was considered a prized commodity. And they actually created a kind of tool called a strigil, which, with which they would scrape the sweat and oil off their bodies after exercising or after competing and funnel it into these little clay pots. And um, this, I'm sure, a very funky smelling gloop, as you said, was called gloios. It was sold in gymnasiums. The more superior the athlete, the more expensive the gloios. Um, but it was not used, as you might think, to help you know improve athletic performance. It was used for some very basic dermatological problems, mm. like putting it on to try to get rid of warts or hemorrhoids, things like that. Yeah. Um, but if you don't believe me, you know. Uh, there are examples of strigils and these little clay pots in major museums like the Met Museum here in New York and I'm sure in London as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you may do anything from piles to sprained ankles, which is a pretty good well, cool yeah, isn't it, really? <laughs> you may be interested to know that in Japan they sell a drink so all over Japan. It's called Pikari Sweat. The Pikari the people make it, it's called Sweat, and it actually tastes like, you know... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I had not heard of that. Yeah. yeah. Give it a try. Yeah, I think Gloios was one of the first uh, nutritional supplements, you might say. <laughs> but uh, no, it didn't actually, it doesn't actually work that way. But some, they believe it did. Some of the other characters, but the one is a guy called uh, Eugene Sandow, who was a mm. Prussian bodybuilder of the 19th century, right. who goes to India and he becomes a kind of, I say, almost like a Schwarzenegger style sort of uh, celebrity um, yeah. but had, had quite a, a lasting effect on on sport and exercise and yoga especially didn't he he really did he was i think of him as being sort of like the arnold schwarzenegger of his day mm. he was a bodybuilder um he had performances and exhibitions where he would just pose and people would pay just to touch his biceps um he traveled the world he traveled America with the Ziegfeld Follies. He also was really an entrepreneur in a way that was new, opening gyms under his name, writing books about exercise and fitness regimes. And as you said, yeah, traveling the world, he went to India where he was embraced almost like a a guru, you know, a, a bodybuilding guru. This was also a period of time when there was this phenomenon globally called physical culture and he was really kind of a star of this physical culture uh phenomenon and uh yeah he had an influence on yoga and i think yoga had a certain influence on him but he was quite a character and uh and an entrepreneur and a um really a trailblazer
Yeah. You're left with some interesting images. First, like uh, Einstein mm. on his bike. Yeah. That's something you've yep. always seen there. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the, the late uh, Supreme <clears throat> Court judge, doing 20 press-ups at the age of 81 before she would enter the Supreme Court. That is impressive. That's, that is very impressive. I know. It's very impressive. I mean, it's impressive for anyone to do that many push-ups every day. Mm. Um, but when I met her, yes, she was a quite you know frail woman who had already survived cancer, and uh, she credited her personal fitness trainer with really helping her survive and stay healthy. And he led her through the steps it took to learn how to do a perfect uh, military push-up or press-up and started just by leaning against a wall, you know, getting her triceps and back uh, engaged and then moving to push-ups on her knees and then eventually doing a proper military push-up. And she told me she did 20 every day. And uh, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, <laughs> it's impressive. Apparently, you've got to do them slowly. Slowly, it's much. Is harder. it do them slowly? Yeah, okay, not when you're 81. Ian. No, you no, can't. You tell us you couldn't get out the bath uh, earlier. We'll get a mention. Jim Fix, of course, a pioneer of running. He gets a mention, and uh, yep. I'm surprised to see Charles Atlas wasn't in the book. There, I was a bit disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, I couldn't quite fit everyone in. Um, <laughs> but um, Charles Atlas was part of my own childhood, actually, or adolescence along with Schwarzenegger. So this book traces the history of exercise from ancient Greece and Rome over the centuries, Middle Ages, Renaissance, 19th century, up to the present day, but also includes, as you kind of said, uh, my own history of exercise Mm -hmm. as I explore the dynamics behind walking, running, swimming, but also try things I had not tried before, like, like boxing and yoga. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. 
and I know last week with uh, Jim and Simon, mm. I think Spencer Oliver was on as well. They, uh, John Fury came on, and uh, mm. I think um, they did put it to him. Uh, Jim put it to him just how much he sounds like Pretty Tyson. Nice, yeah. Listening to it there, um, but you were saying, I mean, it's quite yeah. rare that you get. The members of the because John said we're all of the same family, you dosser. We well, didn't call him that, but I was waiting for him to say that. But uh, that's why we all said, anyway, he was doing that. It's good. But, it's good um, do you? No, my my boys do sound like me. I mean, I've spoken to yeah. your lads. They sound like you, know, you a bit, but not yeah. to the same extent. No, on the phone, it's more on the phone. John. No, no, obviously not the same as that. No. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole new level. That's a whole new isn't level it? of sound. Yeah. Like. Fantastic. Yeah. People do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, getting a new app on my phone, like an app. And I'm reading about one this morning. It's it's a coughing app. You cough into your phone, yeah. and it can tell you if you've got COVID or other diseases. It's quite clever, actually. Or if you just want to cheat on who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it really a you coughing really, app? Well, would I make that up just for that terrible joke? Well, I yes, I, I there is. Past you. Well, no, I wouldn't. So you cough into your phone. You cough into your you phone, and it's the, what the nature of the cough. Nature of the cough. Yeah. That's nonsense. It's that not nonsense. It's, it it's an Australian word. Apparently, it does. Okay. So, you know, we save a lot of money on testing, apparently. Right. It's going to be going off all through the show, Andy, if you've got any <laughs> very true. little frog in your throat, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it? It could be nasty. Exactly. Right, be a disaster. Yeah. yeah. And um, is it this, uh, Bristol City fans are unhappy with a drink. Oh, yeah. A, a slushy cider. I don't know if we're the, our producer who loves a bit of cider would enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, yeah, they charge £4.80, but Jake Gittins fumed. I don't know who he is. I love the way they do this in the papers. Is he one of the Bristol Gittins <laughs> Probably. I'm not 10, he said, so he didn't want a, yeah. a cider slushy. Yeah, would you drink that? Look at the producers. Uh, he, yeah, it doesn't sound, sounds, doesn't like the sound. It sounds like it's, it's horrible. Cruising for a, a bellyache there, I reckon. A quarter of Brits say they would, wouldn't give up cheese, even if they were offered a £1 million Ferrari. <laughs> That's ridiculous, isn't it? Surely 75% of people would take the Ferrari. Isn't that more? In Are you writing this stuff yourself? <laughs> no. Wow. I'm not. Quite fearsome. Uh, the football manager's... It's not even Alex James would go with that, Football you? manager haircuts on politicians has, has gone where no one would dare go before, which is, <laughs> right. uh, on Twitter, which is Pretty Patel with a face of uh, forest manager Steve Cooper. No. <laughs> It's a fearsome sight, oh, isn't it? It's really, a yes. Sight, really. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what a result for Forrest. I saw the Albion fans, the Baggies fans, were yeah. uh, were very downcast after that defeat. But Forrest going from strength. They're going to very well. Very interesting they? weekend, wasn't it? Um, In the championship, yeah, 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 it was yeah. very much so. Uh, no, I managed to watch a. I managed to watch a. I saw a bit of Huddersfield yesterday mm. against Borough. Jordan Road still doing it. Down in the championship, episode. yeah, they're not they're, they're well in the mix, aren't yeah, they? As yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, this is interesting. Uh, well, I think it's a strange story. This a Crystal Palace fan had 29,000 balloons confiscated mm. and was issued with a fixed penalty notice worth 100 pounds, all from the good people of Brent Council. They're brilliant, yeah. they are honestly. Uh, he brought 32,000 balloons with him to give out to fans outside Wembley, but Brent Council officials seized most of them for health and safety. Do you reasons. know, the exact reason was apparently that they could spread panic if they burst. They're pathetic. But what, what, tends, what tends to happen is you hear a balloon burst and you go, oh, I, oh it's a balloon. Yeah. And if there's 32,000 of them, you're kind of expecting it. Well, How shocked can you be? You wouldn't really. be shocked. <laughs> you wouldn't be I shocked. I just think they do this to annoy people. Then You know, it's just it's pathetic. Probably not. Well, I think they do. I, I can't see. There's absolutely no reason why they would have done this. It's no. absolutely okay. annoying. Well, Andy, did you, did you? Would you have taken your own balloon there? Would proudly have uh, well, taken I, a I balloon? See why not? I mean, you, on that basis, nobody can have a balloon because one balloon could. Kids' upset parties. Somebody. 
Kids' parties will never well, be the no. uh, the same again. That's you right. can't be a, a balloon folder in Brent, can you? Anything else? Well, not really. I've got the, only the final queen by the numbers. Oh, yeah. Do you want to give us the queen by numbers? Uh, Andy told us earlier mm. on that she bathes in a, seven inches of water uh, yeah. in the morning. Who, who told? That must be a sort of lady-in-waiting, I reckon, who's yeah, spilled the Yeah, it must have come out one of those, you know, memoirs that come out. Of yeah, them, yeah, you know, yeah. From people who it's work very in specific, isn't it? I mean, a bit of it a line is. to draw a little line I presume on there's the either a line on the bath or they've got... You know, a rule. <laughs> I suppose. I, I suppose. <laughs> well, you can't do it with well, a tape get, measure, can you? You think she can look at it and say, I'm not getting in that, that's eight inches of water. Yeah. What are you trying to do to me? Or that's six inches. Also, that's not a lot of water, is it's it? It's not really? a lot of water. You said it like the Queen as well. Why did you suddenly go very high when you said it? <laughs> well, that's just because I was surprised about how little okay. water it is. Yeah, it's not a lot of because, water, Andy. You know, unless the rest of the bathroom is quite warm, and I imagine those palaces are quite cold. You're quite, actually quite chilly for them, aren't you? No yeah. central heating. No central heating. I don't think I'd they afford to put it on. They probably the don't put it on till about you know. Yeah, end like of anybody's November. nan. It's difficult at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> it's true. But she did save twenty five pounds by buying two pots of Clarins face cream at duty free at Singapore Airport in two thousand and two. Wow, that's good. God, that's good that's research, good. isn't it? Yeah, by yeah. the sun today. I don't know how you, uh... you got any more by numbers? No, that was it really. That was it. Oh, the... Those are the ones that attracted me. I thought the rest of them. Okay. I thought it was a bit. I saw the gesture Ronnie O'Sullivan made at the. Have you seen this? Thing? I haven't seen it. No. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, it's not. But the thing is, it's obviously aimed at himself. Right. He's angry with himself because of the, he's, he messed a shot up, and he sort of basically he missed a black off the spot. And yes. So he was angry, and he made he gesticulated to himself. So he gesticulated he? to himself that what he thought of himself. Okay. And. Uh, Matthew Selt, a tour was professional. It, it yeah, something we may have seen in a well-known coffee advert. I tell you very ago. much so. That's, that's way, fair well enough. done. That's exactly yeah, what it was. Okay. And uh, Matthew Selt, the Nescafe handshake. Yes, I believe. I think, I think it was I believe called they that, called yes. it at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matthew Selt, a tour professional, posted the clip on Instagram with the caption, "What an ambassador!" And you think, you know. You have some self-awareness. What have you won compared to Ronnie O'Sullivan? Oh, he's scorched earth nothing, today. Be my guess. So. Um, Still to come then, we introduce you to a new sport. That's uh, that's uh, very shortly. Look, it may not be mm. new to you. You may be playing it all the time, but I'd certainly not heard of it until last week. Justin Morehouse will be joining us to look ahead to Liverpool, Manchester United, and Mark Butcher will be up as well to chat about uh, his pal Rob Key, who is the new managing director of cricket uh, for England. And has a huge yeah. job. Well, on he's contributed team. a lot to this show over the years, Rob. Rob, yeah, no, yeah. we're going to miss him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's going to be very difficult to rock up and have his say no, on the England team. I don't think he can now. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Poacher turned gamekeeper or the other way. I now as well. You'll have to be more diplomatic. Well, if I bump into him. Yeah. Never stopped you before. Well, that's true. I remember once when we had... Um, Angus Fraser. Angus Fraser was an England selector. <laughs> Angus would still come on. That's and true, uh, he was true. on the show and he said, for me, Angus, he just picked the team. And you said, well, I don't think Chris Wokes uh, is a test player. And he said, well, as a selector, you, you imagine I'd probably disagree with you there, <laughs> as I've just picked him to yeah. play for England. And, uh, of course, I was wrong about that. Yeah, no, it's not wrong. like you. Oh, no, you're wrong. never wrong about anything. No, no right? I am. I'm wrong about most things. Yes, I've decided. <laughs> so uh, still not not overseas. Though. He's not great overseas. He's a much better player. In no, that, that's true. You didn't qualify that at the time. No. So anyway, we will be chatting about that. It's the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now it's not often you discover a sport you've never heard of, especially in this line of work mm. after all these years. But uh, I did last week. It was a, the London Evening Standard did a roundup of, of kind of alternative sports, and mm. 
Pickleball we spoke about a little while ago, again, was a fairly new one on us, but this is disc golf. Um, in simple terms, it's kind of golf, but with frisbees, kind of. Yeah, because we, far we too had simplistic. foot golf, didn't we? Yes, before? we have foot golf, we, we've seen that. But I was surprised just uh, how many disc golf um, courses there are. Um, apparently, I think, let's have a look, across the country, there are 93 disc golf courses in the UK, because um, this was the uh, London Evening Standard, they were mm. pointing out there were six in London at the moment, but there's plenty of places to do it. There's a professional disc golf association, and uh, here to tell us uh, more about it is a is a Hall of Famer, disc golf mm. Hall of Fame. It's obviously established enough a sport I've never heard of to have its own Hall of Fame, mm. and that's uh, Derek Robbins. Good afternoon, Derek. Good afternoon. Well, as I said, a completely new one on me. I've watched it. I subsequently went and watched some stuff on uh, YouTube. And you'll be able to explain it in layman's terms better than me. So tell us what disc golf is. Uh, the concept's the same as regular golf. You've got a tee. You've got 18 tees generally and 18 targets. But you're throwing a special sort of frisbee. Um, that's why I call it disc golf. Um, they're kind of smaller and fairly dense, so you can throw them still with quite amount of control, even when it's windy. And you're trying to land it into a basket with chains above it. It's a little bit difficult to describe. Some people think it could be a cattle feeder or something. Hmm. But the idea is that the disc flies, hits these fairly heavy chains and drops into a basket below. And that's kind of at waist height. It's meant to be like if you're throwing a disc to somebody, that's where you want to catch it. And you have you have a kind of driver, don't you? You have a, a kind of almost well, three a wood, types of three disc. types of wood, mm. a driver, and, and a putter. Effectively, different sort of discs. Yeah, we tend to um, carry pretty much the same number of discs as you do clubs. There's no limit, <clears throat> but I carry around probably thirteen or fourteen on average, mm. because you get ones for different distances, but also they have a different amount of what we call turn and fade. <clears throat> so when they slow down. They tend to fade off to the mm. left if you throw a right-handed backhand. Um, and at high speed, they might turn right, and that, that's different for every mould of disc. So depending on what sort of flight trajectory you want, you'll, you'll pick a different model of disc. So do you have par for each hole? Is, is it the same as golf in that way? And how long, how long are the holes? Uh, so your typical sort of par three, and there, there tends to be more par threes than than par fours and fives because you can do so much in terms of accuracy and, and complicated types of flight. But if you have really long holes, then it tends to just favour people who throw a really long way. Mm. So a par three would typically be, you know, 100 metres, say, and a, and a par four might be more like sort of 170 metres, 180 because of the, the, as you said, the kind of freestanding baskets with the chains on, and they are the holes, effectively. Yeah. It, you know, you're not as tired as you would be on a golf course. You know, you haven't got to prepare greens as such. You know, you could, there's probably a bit more flexibility about where you can play the game mm. if you've got a great big expanse of land somewhere. Yeah, that is one of the great things. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you, don't have to, you don't have to do a lot of green keeping. Um, yeah, you just keep the grass reasonably short. But... Um, but you can play. There's, I've played. I've played courses where it's been uh, sort of in more, more or less desert places. I've been played on the Isle of Mull, where there's a course on a hillside, and you're you're on the top of sort of crags. Um, you play in woodland. There's lots of woodland courses. Um, so yeah, they, you know, they, you can pop them in 
loads of different places, really. There's 120, I'm reading here, 120 golf courses in the UK, uh, 52 with 18 or more holes. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. There are shops. There's 11 shops that sell the gear, 30 leagues. It's, it's, a, it's, it's quite well established, isn't it, this? It is, um, and even more so in Scandinavia and North America. Mm. Um, I mean, the top players in the States, the top two players are both get more than a million dollars a year in sponsors from their main manufacturer. So, you know, it's become quite big over there. And, there's, you know, there's lots of internet TV coverage and cable coverage. Um, So it's really, the sport's just really booming at the moment. Who's the, who's the, let's go back a few years. I'm looking for someone who's, who's the Tiger Woods? Who's the Scotty Scheffler of, um, (laughs) of the sport? These days, who's the number one? So, you know, I said there was, Couple of guys on million dollar contracts. Mm. They are the they are a guy called Ricky Wisocki mm. and uh, Paul Macbeth. And Paul Macbeth is probably he's he's a five time world champion. So he's the sort of the currently in the current generation. He he's he's the number one. I would say. But if you go back some years, there's a guy called Ken Climo, and he won the world championships eleven times. Wow. So he's he's a contender for the greatest of all time. Certainly. What was your route into it, Derek, as a sport? Well, I, I loved throwing mm. frisbees, mm. just sort of, you know, throwing catch ones. And um, there was a membership form for a frisbee association, so I joined that. And when I was 17, I was the UK overall frisbee champion. Oh, right. And, and that involved um, accuracy, maximum time aloft, and distance. Um, and I went to the World Championships. This is back in 1978. Mm. And uh, and there, disc golf was one of the events. So I I played my first disc golf tournament back back in '78. Really? Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? Had you heard of it? Andy? Never heard of it. Never heard of it as a no. sport. I mean, which is probably why um, I I believe that uh, that there is a kind of an awareness campaign, isn't there? That uh, that look, discover disc golf, a program oh, to yeah. encourage. There's an app as well. New players. So I think that, that sounds like yeah. a good idea. Yeah, it's an excellent idea. Yeah, but now we've got a few more courses around the country. Um, so, yeah, hopefully people can find one nearby. There's, um, so there's a website set up specially to try and, you know, promote disc golf. It's called discoverdiscgolf.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's disc with a C, just in case anybody's going to be okay. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've already got half a dozen different venues lined up. And it'll be like taster sessions, so they they might run things differently one venue to another. But um, there's also the possibility of getting hold of some very, very cheap equipment. And this is not expensive anyway. And although I might carry around 13 or 14, you know, if you just got one disc, you're fine, really. When when you're starting out, you're better to have a few discs and and find out what they do. so you, yeah, normal price for one of those discs might be nine or ten pounds. I think some of these venues will be getting hold of them or selling them for as little as three or four pounds. So. And where's the Augusta of disc golf? Where's the coveted place to play? Well, strangely enough, <laughs> it's very close to Augusta oh. in terms of world golf. Um, so just that, just on the north side of Augusta, Georgia, where the where the Masters golf is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, the PDG, this is the Professional Disc Golf Association, has its headquarters, a place called Appling, which is it's only about 10 miles from, from Augusta. Oh. Um, and they've got three 
18-hole course he set up there. They got the Disc Golf Hall of Fame. Um, they got a huge pro shop there, and uh, it's a fantastic facility. I've been there a few times. Oh, wow. Do a double whammy, the disc golf and the golf. Yeah. You're going over to the yeah. Masters. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, look, uh, good to talk to you. Uh, thank you, Derek. Thanks for explaining all. And, and for this, the Professional Disc Golf Association will have all the Disc Golf UK. Um, uh, you can find that uh, online, and that'll have all the information of the yeah. courses and how you can get involved and uh, and give it a try. Good to talk to you. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. There Thank we you. are, Derek Robbins, mm. uh, disc golf hall of fame. I used to like Ken Flymer. <laughs> he used to cut the grass. As Ken, well. he was, yeah. And um, the producer was in my ear saying, "Come on, off the Paul Macbeth." We heard is the world's best player. Let's have your Shakespearean golfers. <laughs> That's testing. That's ridiculous. Davis Love Labour's lost. He's had a couple of minutes oh, to think it. about it. He has. He's writing them down. Now, come on. Oh, please, come on. Let's have. Coriolanus Pavin. Oh, very uh, good. Yeah, yeah, not so bad. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Uh, we were talking about disc golf earlier on. Yeah. And uh, the world number one, the Scottish Scheffler of disc golf, is uh, Paul Macbeth, to which point the producer mm. and his best Alan Brazil in my ear said, come on, let's have... Shakespearean <laughs> golfers. Well, wow. uh, he kicked us off with Coriolanus paving and uh, Davis Love Labour's lost. Uh, Paul Rigby was straight in with Peter Alas Alice Paul Yorick. Yeah, not easy, but uh, we, we there's Bard Bubka says Paul Bard. in Qatar. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Um, a Midsummer Night's Rich Beam says Adam. That's, that's very good. good. Yeah, very yeah. Good, yeah. Romeo, Romeo, where. Par four out there. No, that's not right, is it? Art thou? Shouldn't that be... Yeah, no, okay, you get the idea. Par four, art thou, Ow. Romeo. Lee. I'm sorry, Lee, I've killed it for you. The Leeds fan. Jose Maria, Othello Bell. That's pretty good. That's Callum, good, yeah. Manchester United fan. Now, come on. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Anyway, um, we end today with just a few of those Shakespearean golfers as uh, requested by the producer off the back of um, Paul Macbeth, the world's best disc golfer. Uh, our mate Dance and indeed um, Cy gives us King Lear Westwood. Pretty good. The Merchant of Vincent Company. Um, Sir Nick F Falstaff. Falstaff. Yes, you with us on that yeah. one? Billy. Why Vincent Company's not a golfer, is he? Uh, no, that's true. Why, why is he there? <laughs> I got really confused yeah. there for a minute. The Merchant of Vincent Company. How did that, how did that get through? I'm just reading these out in good faith. <laughs> If music be the Davis, if music be the food of Davis Love. Play on, says Russ, driving <laughs> play across. Through, sure. Play through, play through. You would think so. Can we play through, mate? <laughs> Much foul do about nothing, says Neil. And no, that doesn't work either. So there we are. Um, mm. One footballer thrown in for good measure. Thanks for all of those. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, there we are. That was this afternoon's show. Um, I'm not with you now for a, a week or so. Lovely. Andy oh. will be here with Charlie tomorrow, won't yeah, you? Well. There'll be another podcast. and yeah. uh, Well, it's something to look forward to. Uh, until we meet again, uh, thanks for listening. And, um, yes, about four o'clock tomorrow, the podcast is available if you're not able to listen to the boys from one. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.